who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? This is one of the most important questions that we can ask as followers of Christ. Who is Jesus? Theologian and author A.W. Tozer says this, What comes into our minds when we think about God, and furthermore, when we think about Jesus, is the most important thing about us. And I don't know that I would go quite that far, but I will say this, it is important. It is important how we answer that question. Who is Jesus? Who is Jesus? Now, if you're anything like me, I don't like being told what to do or how to think or what to believe. It's, um, I don't know, maybe I'm just stubborn. Maybe I'm strong-willed. I know a lot of you are the same way, though. If somebody tells me to do something, my, my claws dig in and I say, nope, I'm not going to. But maybe that's for one of the reasons that I love the book of Mark, because in the gospel of Mark, he lets us decide for ourselves who Jesus is. Here's what I mean. He starts off the book by declaring exactly who he believes Jesus to be. He says this at the very first line, the beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. It's a loaded statement. It doesn't hide anything about what Mark believes. He says that Jesus is the Christ. Some translations even add the Messiah. He believes that he is the Christ, the anointed one. And then he goes on to say that he is the son of God. He is fully God, fully man. Mark is not leaving you in the dark with what he believes. But then from there, he says, let me show you who Jesus is. I'm going to ask the question over and over and over. And you should be asking the question too. Who is Jesus when you're reading the book of Mark? And over and over and over, Mark shows us. He gives us story after story, image after image, testimony after testimony that helps to reveal who Jesus is to us. The kingdom of God is being established all around in the the gospel of Mark, and people are noticing. It's an exciting book to read, but he says, here, make your own conclusions as to who Jesus is. But I want to make something very clear. Who we believe Jesus is has no bearing on who Jesus actually is. Are you tracking? Here's what I mean by that. If I were to ask Annette who Colin Schlottfeld is, and I were to ask Rob who Colin Schlottfeld is, and I was to ask Pat who Colin Schlottfeld is, I might get three contradictory answers, right? But that has no bearing on who I actually am. And in the same way, when we ask the question, who is Jesus, that doesn't have any bearing on who Jesus is. Because I'm going to let you in on a secret on what I believe. That Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, just like what Mark says. I believe that Jesus is the eternal word, the one who was in the beginning, is now, and will be forevermore. He is the one that we will be worshiping when all of the creation has been recreated, when we are in eternity. This is who I believe Jesus to be. So when we answer the question, who is Jesus, it has much less to do with Jesus himself, but rather who we are and how we end up living, who we are as followers of Christ. So here we are. We find ourselves in the the Gospel of Mark. We've been in this book for the last several weeks, and we're going to continue on chapter by chapter for the next several months, walking through this book. And it should walk right up to Easter when we hit the resurrection. And that's going to be a good Sunday. I'm excited for it already. But so far in the book, we have we've seen all kinds of things, right? 
We've seen Mark declare who he believes Jesus to be, and then from there, we see the baptism of Jesus. We see a a beautiful Trinitarian picture. We see Jesus be baptized, the voice of God say, this is my son in whom I am well pleased, and the dove descends, and that's the spirit of God, and this this wonderful picture, all three parts of God in one place. It's amazing. And then we see Jesus being tempted, and then we see Jesus begin his ministry. He calls his disciples, and he he starts to heal people, and he he cleanses a leper, and he uh, heals a paralytic, and he uh, heals a man with the, the withered hand, and he, he starts to teach. He teaches parables, and he teaches things that really only rabbis should be teaching, right? And he, he starts to cast out demons, and people are noticing, and people are starting to congregate around Jesus, and the, the word is spreading. Like, have you seen this Jesus guy? He's pretty crazy. Yeah, I think something wild's happening. We should go see Jesus, right? So, like, crowds are starting to follow him, and it's wild. And then we get to chapter 5, right? We're in, if you have your Bibles, we're going to be in chapter 5, starting in verse 24. And specifically, here's, here's the, the context that we find ourselves specifically in today. All of these things have happened. Mark is showing us time and time again, this is who Jesus is. This is who Jesus is. This is what Jesus is doing. This is testimony to who Jesus is revealing himself to be. And he's constantly asking the question, who is Jesus? And we have to keep answering that for ourselves. And we come to chapter 5, and here's what's happening. Jesus has just cast out a demon on one side of the Sea of Galilee, and him and his disciples cross to the other side of the Sea of Galilee by boat, and they come up on the shore, and lo and behold, there is a crowd already waiting for Jesus. And a ruler of the synagogue named Jairus, he says, Jesus, Jesus, I know that there's this crowd, but I, my, my daughter is deathly ill, and I need you to come. I need you to come heal her. And Jesus says, okay. Right, So that's important because this is the context in which we find our story today. Jesus is on his way to heal Jairus' daughter. And I find that striking because if, if I were Jesus, right, and we'll get to the story, but if I were Jesus, I would be one-track mind, like, gotta go heal, gotta go heal, gotta go heal, no time for anything else. But that is not what happens with Jesus. And this is where we pick up in cha- uh, chapter 5, verse 24. And I encourage you to either read along Or maybe close your eyes, let this text come to life, because friends, this is a real story, and sometimes we just passively listen, engage in this text, and hear the word of the Lord. This is chapter 5, starting in verse 24. And a great crowd followed Jesus and thronged about him. And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years, and who had suffered much under many physicians, and had spent all that she had was no better, but rather grew worse. She had heard the reports about Jesus and came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I touch even his garments, I will be made well. And immediately the flow of blood dried up and she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, who touched my garments? And his disciples said to him, You see the crowd pressing around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And he looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. And he said to her, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Be healed of your disease. With that, let's pray, and then let's dive into the text. God, we come to you. humbled. We come to you ready to hear your word. We come to you ready to um, be changed by your spirit to look more like Jesus. 
we we pray that we glorified you with our songs. We pray that we glorify you with our week when we leave here. But God, this morning, help us to answer the question, who is Jesus? Reveal yourself to us, Lord, and may we have the hearts and the ears and the eyes to see you for who you are. We love you, and it's in the name of Jesus we pray these things. Amen and amen. So we just heard this story, and we'll start unpacking right at the beginning. Verse 24. And a great crowd followed him and thronged about him. Immediately, we see two very different reactions to who Jesus is revealing himself to be, right? We have the crowd and the way that they view Jesus. And then we have the woman and the way that she views Jesus. And if we were to ask the crowd, who is Jesus? We might get a really different answer than if we asked the woman, who is Jesus? And we don't know a whole lot about the crowd. We don't have a whole lot of information. All we have is what I just read, and I'll read it again. A great crowd followed him and thronged about him. So I'm going to make a few assumptions, and I want you to know that I'm making assumptions because I want to tread lightly when making assumptions, right? We, uh, I'm going to make some assumptions, and they've been convicting to me, and maybe they'll be convicting to you too, but here's what I, I started to think when I was reading this. There seems to be a, a difference of tone in the crowd, right? I imagine that if I asked the crowd, who is Jesus, and they give me an honest answer, it would be something along this line. Jesus is a sort of spectacle, right? They've heard about Jesus. They've heard about the things that he's doing, the miracles that he's performing. They've heard about the things that he's teaching, and they want a piece of the action for themselves, they're crowding around him. They want to see him do something crazy. It seems like they're here for a good time, not a long time. It seems like they are there. If, like, there was a concession stand, they would be sitting there with buckets of popcorn and, like, Slurpees, like, ready for the show to start, right? Like, have you guys seen the movie The Incredibles? I know it's been a while, but there's this scene there's, uh, where Mr. Incredible, like, first, earlier in the movie, he's, like, lifting up his car, and there's a kid on a tricycle, and his bubblegum pops, and he's, like, <gasps> right? Like, amazed. And then later on, Mr. Incredible's having a bad day, and he comes, and he slams his car door closed and he looks and the kid's waiting there and he goes what are you waiting for and the kid goes I don't know something amazing to happen like that's what I feel like the crowd is like right like they're looking at Jesus like and Jesus is like what do you what are you here for and they're like I don't know something I'm waiting for something amazing to happen like that's what the crowd is I feel right right so when we look at the crowd there's there's a possibility that if we were to ask them who is Jesus they would answer a spectacle and I don't want to dwell on this too long, but here's what I was convicted with. Confession time. I think too often I make Jesus a spectacle in my own life. And perhaps you sit in the same, same seat. We see Jesus. We see the things that he's doing. We've even witnessed miracles, maybe. Yet we sit on the sidelines and we're passive to what he's doing. We want to watch, but we don't want to get involved. We want to follow along, but we don't want to have any responsibility, right? And I don't want to dwell on this too long because, quite frankly, there's too much good news and good hope in the rest of the passage to dwell on this. But my encouragement and my hope and my prayer is that we are not a passive church, that we are a people who are not watching Jesus as a spectacle, but we are watching him with hope, like the woman does. And so we move on. Verse 25, 
And there was a woman who had a discharge of blood for 12 years and who had suffered much under many physicians and had spent all that she had and was no better, but rather grew worse. We don't know a whole lot about this woman. We don't know her name. We don't know her backstory. We don't know a whole lot about her, but we can deduce some information based on the scripture and based on cultural context, right? And the first is this. In this day and age, this was a deeply patriarchal uh, society. And in a deeply patriarchal society, when you are a woman, that is strike number one. You take a backseat to the men. So that's her first strike. She's a woman, right? She's a woman in a deeply patriarchal society, and she had a discharge of blood for 12 years. The scriptures tell us that this continued for 12 years, and she suffered through it. This isn't just something that's like happening like she's suffering because of it. Maybe you have a chronic pain, a chronic illness. I have headaches a lot, and I cannot imagine having something like this for 12 years, right? So she is uh, a woman who is in a deeply patriarchal society. She is um, bleeding, and she's suffering because of it. On top of that, it's, it's not just that she's bleeding, but because of her bleeding, she is unclean. She's deemed unclean by the society around her. And I'm not talking about like, oh, my teenager has like B.O., like he's unclean, but we love him. Like that's not the unclean we're talking about here. We're talking about like shunning from the community, right? This woman cannot be with people. She can't participate in the functions of society. If she was married, her and her husband could not have been together for those whole 12 years. So if she was married at all, she was she was divorced by this point, which was, again, not a good thing to be at this, day, at this time in this day and age. All the cards are stacked against her. As if those things weren't enough, she had spent all of her money, all that she had, going to physicians. She had nothing left. She was dirt poor. This woman is the poster child for the marginalized, for the outcast, for the least of these. She's a nobody. She's at her wits end. She is desperate. She is absolutely desperate for help. And she had heard reports about Jesus. She came up behind him in the crowd and touched his garment. For she said, if I even touch his garments, I will be made well. So in hope, she said, I'm doing it. I'm touching his garments. For I will be made well. Who is Jesus? To her, he was hope. He was hope. And it affected what she did. And immediately the flow of blood dried up. And she felt in her body that she was healed of her disease. Praise God. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. Pause right there. I'm going to read that again. And Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him. Does that not, that, that sounds like something from Star Wars. Right? Like, what? Jesus perceiving that power, may the force be with you. Like, what is going on there? We said earlier on, right, that Mark is not going to tell us who Jesus is, but he's going to show us. So here's what's happening. He's saying something supernatural is happening. No, 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 no. Something divine is happening. In fact, this is a deity claim. He's saying, look, the power of the living God dwells in Jesus and is recreating and is making new and is healing, putting things back in order as they were intended to be. 
that's what Mark is doing. And he says, this is what happened. Make your own conclusions, people. So make your own conclusions. Who is Jesus? So Jesus, perceiving in himself that power had gone out from him, immediately turned around in the crowd and said, Who touched my garments? And the disciples, blessed their hearts, said to him, You see the crowds pressing around you, and yet you say, Who touched me? Okay, here's what's going on. They're like in this giant crowd of people, right? And the disciples are like, Jesus, bro, there are like 50 people touching you right now. Like, come on. (laughs) Who's touching you? Like, man, you know who's touching you. All of these people. All of these people are touching you. And I don't have much to say on that except this. I think so often we're the disciples, right? We're close to Jesus. We're with him a lot. But so often Jesus is like, here's what I'm saying. And we go, and it goes right over our head. Here's my prayer. I don't, again, I don't have much to say on that. Here's my prayer for us. May we see and may we hear what Jesus is saying. And may we understand with clarity what he's saying so that we can act appropriately. So the Jesus, uh, so the disciples say, uh, you, uh, the, the people are pressing on around you, and yet you say, who touched me? And Jesus looked around to see who had done it. But the woman, knowing what had happened to her, came in fear and trembling and fell down before him and told him the whole truth. Now, this seems pretty odd, right? For what just happened, right? Like, why is she coming to him in fear and trembling? She was just healed. Isn't this something to rejoice in? Isn't this something to be excited about? Isn't this something to, to celebrate? And the answer is yes, but remember the context of what's happening. Right? Because of her blood, she is unclean. And in that day and age, for a person to touch a clean person, even the robes, makes that person unclean. By touching Jesus' garments, she made him unclean. And therefore made him an outcast in society too, right? Like he would have to go through ritual cleansing in order to be able to function in society again. And she knew that she, in a sense, messed up. She is walking to him in fear and trembling because she messed up. She was healed, but she made him unclean. That's not a good thing to do. And the expected reaction of Jesus would be to be irate, would be to flip a lid, would be to go off the rails on this woman. Because remember, she's a nobody. She's a woman. He's a man. She is poor. He is somebody that at least has some value, right? She is nobody. She's made him unclean. I'm willing to bet he knows, right? But Jesus, like he does time and time and time again, does the unexpected. He says, daughter, your faith has made you well. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And you read that and we go, oh, that's nice. Wow, like, oh, like he healed her and he was really kind about it. And that's wonderful. And it is. It is. But the people who were hearing this text in the original language would have said, oh, whoa. I'm going to let you in on the secret that they knew. Repeat after me. Sozo. 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 Sozo is the word that's used here. 
Jesus says, daughter, your faith has made you sozoed. The word is used earlier on when the woman says, even if I touch his garments, I will be sozoed. And the word sozo means salvation. Salvation. And you say, what salvation? I thought salvation was just like, I believe in Jesus and now I go to heaven. But Jesus says, no, 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 no. No. Daughter, your faith has brought you into salvation. This is the same word that's used in John 3, 17. Remember the passage? John 3, 16 and 17 say this, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be sozoed, might be saved through him. Sozo. And while sozo certainly has implications for eternity and for heaven, and I'm very, very, very thankful and excited about that, it has implications for today as well. You see, what we see here is that Jesus is making things new and right and recreating and putting back how they were supposed to be here and now. He says, woman, be healed. Daughter, be healed. For your faith has saved you has brought the realities of heaven to earth here and now. And then he says, go in peace. Go in peace and be healed of your disease. And we don't typically think of peace in that bold of terms. Like, usually it's like peace and blessings, like I'm out, right? No, no, no. This word is the equivalent of the the Hebrew shalom. And if you know anything about the Hebrew word shalom, it's a rich, rich word. What Jesus is saying is your faith has saved you. Now go as a whole person, as a person fully put together, as a person with nothing missing, nothing broken. Go in peace, in fullness, and be healed of your disease. Who is Jesus? To her, Jesus is hope the bringer of good news, the one who heals, the one who trades her fear and trembling for goodness and for peace and for blessing, the one who trades her, her, uh, her social status for wholeness, the one who trades her loneliness for community. This is the Jesus that she has come to know and that we can come to know through reading the testimony of this event. And that is exciting, friends. That's exciting. So I ask you, who is Jesus? Is he a spectacle like the crowds viewed him? Or is he the hope in which we place our faith? Maybe you're like the woman today. Maybe you're at your wit's end. Maybe things just feel like they're a disaster. Maybe you're lonely Maybe you have nowhere else to turn, so in desperation, turn to Jesus. Reach out and touch his garment. Maybe today you're the crowds, and you've seen Jesus. You've heard of what he has done, but you're a a bystander. You're there for the show. Come to Jesus and touch his robes. Maybe you're like the disciples. You're close to Jesus. You know who he is, but sometimes you're missing the point. Come to Jesus, and in hope, and in faith, 
touch his garment. Maybe you're really, really close to the Lord. Maybe you're in a peak in your spiritual walk right now. Regardless, come to Jesus and touch his garments. Be healed. Experience salvation here and now. Because when we come to Jesus and we recognize him for who he is, when we place our hope in him, he welcomes us in as family, just like he did for the woman. Maybe you missed it. Jesus didn't say to her, woman, your faith has made you well, but he said, daughter, your faith has made you well. And when we come to Christ and say, here I am, he says, daughter, son, experience salvation and go in peace and fullness. We are welcomed into the family of God. But that comes with responsibility. It comes with responsibility to do the work of Christ here and now. Did you know that the word Christian, we call ourselves Christians, right? Like I would hope that we call ourselves Christians. That literally means little Christs. We are little Christs to the people in our family, to the people at work, to the people in our community, to the people at our schools. We are little Christs. We bear the image of Christ to, to every, everybody that we meet. We bear the light of Jesus to everybody that we meet. That's a lot of responsibility, but the good news is is that we have a helper. We have a helper to help us make right all that is wrong in this world. We have a helper to help heal and mend broken relationships, to help the least of these, to help those who need community, to help those who are doing well, who don't see Jesus for who he is. We have a calling and a responsibility to be the bearers of Christ's image. Salvation starts here and now. So my question to you is who is Jesus? Is he the spectacle? Or is he the Christ? The Messiah? The hope of the world? The eternal one? The one who calls us friend? Who is Jesus? Let's pray. God, thank you for for your son. Thank you for your spirit. Thank you for adopting us into your family, for not leaving us alone, but for taking us in. Thank you for the fact that you don't wait for us to be perfect. Just like the woman, she had everything stacked against her Lord, but you took her just as she was. When you had things to do and places to be, you stopped and you communed with her. We praise you that you modeled that and that we get to experience that. So God, we come to you. We come to your table ready to take communion, ready to meet you at the table and bread and juice. And remember your sacrifice. We come to you as we are broken people in need of a savior. And we are excited to meet you at the table. We are excited uh, to celebrate the ways that you have served us to thank you for the ways that you've served us in your death on a cross, your burial, your resurrection. God, we ask that you would transform us, shape us, mold us to be bearers of your image, to walk in the spirit, to glorify you, Father. As we sing this next song, God, we pray that it would be pleasing to your ear. Meet us here. We come to you. In the name of Jesus, we pray these things.
Amen.